0: And a pleasant good day to you here on the Daily Dose of Hoops podcast. Jaden Daly here with you, previewing the Big East season opening day in college basketball, less than a week away now. And this has become an annual rite of passage. As we count closer to opening day, we bring in the man who knows the Big East better than anybody. The first guest in podcast history back once again to take a look at the Big East season Covers the conference for Fox Sports, Big East Digital Network, in the field of 68 inside and out like nobody else. One and only John Fanta, back on the Daily Dose of Hoops podcast. John, always a pleasure, my man. Thank you for coming on spending some time with us. I hope the honeymoon in Italy was really good for you this offseason. Thank you, Jaden. It was great. Really appreciate it. No
1: shortage of elite pasta and wine and great times. And uh, thrilled to be Getting college basketball season started. We all got our our breather in the offseason. If there is such an offseason in college basketball, I don't know if that's a thing anymore, but thank you for your well wishes, Victoria, and I appreciate that very much. And I'm ready to go. I don't know about you, but there are anticipated seasons, and then there's this in the Big East. This feels like a mid-80s level of anticipation in the
0: conference. Absolutely. We're at a point where Mike Litos, a friend of mine who used to be a color analyst at VCU, had an acronym on Twitter that he put into a hashtag, STGDA, which means start the damn games already. I think we're at that point right now, John. And we'll start with the reigning national champions. You know, it's not every season where... The reigning national champion comes in flying under the radar. But that's the impression that I get, at least from UConn, picked third in the preseason behind Marquette and Creighton, losing Jordan Hawkins, losing Andre Jackson, losing Adama Sinodo. But Dan Hurley reloaded. Do you get similar feelings with the Huskies? Well, I do get similar feelings. And I have a lot of questions for the Big East coaches
1: because I know they might not like UConn and UConn can be the villain. But why would you give them extra fuel? Why would you pick them third in the league preseason, Paul? That's playing right into Dan Hurley's hands. Seriously, I don't think Hurley could have doctored up a better preseason. He doesn't have an all-conference preseason first-team selection. I think that's criminal. I mean, I- I'm going to take Donovan Klingin in this league. If I'm drafting players, he's got to be in my top five. So I think it works out well for the Huskies. I, I really like the addition of Cam Spencer from Rutgers, who you've covered. I think he's an ultra competitor. I think he's going to hit big shots for them. And as we know with Connecticut, that's what got them to take off last year. When their perimeter shot making was good, there was nothing that this team could not do. So for me, to have Tristan Newton, your point guard to steer the ship, to have a steady presence in Alex Caravan, to have Klingen, and then Stefan Tassel, the ceiling, the upside, it knows no limits. This team is, to me, uh, a top 10 team in the country. They are second weekend NCAA tournament good. And if everything falls into place, I don't see why they couldn't make a run at another Final Four. But there are things to figure out. You know, the reason why they're picked third, and I, I respect it. I, I picked them third in my preseason rankings. The reason why you pick them there is because you have to acknowledge who they lost. And they lost two NBA draft picks in Jordan Hawkins. And Andre Jackson and Adama Sinogo was an all-time Connecticut Husky. So you got to acknowledge both sides of the coin. I think that that's the truth. But I also think that as this team figures things out, we'll see. We'll see if this team takes a little bit more time to figure things out than last year's team did. Remember, last year's team ran the gamut in non-conference 14-0. I don't think that's going to happen again this year. UConn's non-con features a date with Gonzaga and Seattle. They're in the Jimmy V Classic against your North Carolina Tar Heels. They're in New York for the Empire Classic, which is hard with Texas and Indiana and and Louisville's the other team, but they could face Indiana and Texas in that. They'll face Indiana for sure. So that, that schedule's really difficult, but I think this team, it's going to be interesting to see how they evolve throughout the course of the year. And if Stefan Castle is as good as people think he could be, but, man, that's the wild card to how this team's ceiling ends up being. Because if you've got a top-10 NBA draft pick with a bunch of players who were part of a national championship run and a veteran season sharpshooter in Camp Spencer, Donovan Clayton could be an All-American, Jaden. I'm not betting against the Huskies in March.
0: We talked about teams evolving, John, and we'll get into the two locals. Just off of that segue as St. John's comes in, the buzz. And the headline generator in the offseason with Rick Pitino coming down the hutch and the Whitestone Bridge from Iona, bringing his entire staff with him, bringing three of his former players with him as well, including Danish Jenkins, the all-MAC point guard who was the MVP of the MAC tournament last season. He comes in the team with Joel Soriano. Chris Ledlam comes in from the transfer portal. Simeon Wiltshire, the highly touted freshman decided to join the Johnnies after Elliot Cado reclassified in North Carolina and left his future in Chapel Hill. Uncertain John, a lot of question marks with the Johnnies, but a lot of upside as well. Where do you see the red storm this season? And with Brian Shanley hiring Rick Patino, what does that signal here in New York? Well, it signals
1: that St. John's can be treated seriously again and that they're going to have competency and, no, I'm I'm not going to overreact to a loss to Division Two pace. I think that there's a lesson to everything and I am skeptical. You're not trying to lose to any team, but I do think being shorthanded plus Rick Patino trying to prove to his team you're a long way away from where I need you to be. I think all that plays into the the preseason. You know, we're not gonna be talking about the pace game if St. John's goes out on Monday night and handles business against Stony Brook, we're going to be talking about that game. So excuse me, Tuesday night. So for me, I, I, I just think that this is a game changing move for a program that needed it. They needed it. They're going to spend more money. They have to, if you want to be in New York city and you want to be treated seriously, you've got to get in the spotlight and you've got to show you belong. Rick Pitino, Get St. John's to the big boy table. Look, Jordan Dingle, he's banged up, but it looks like things are pointing to him being ready to go, certainly by Michigan, you hope next week, against Sony Brook just to get his feet under him. But, but I think that, Jaden, for me, the, the depth is so strong that they don't have to over-rely on any one player. Even Joel Soriano's got competition in the front court. Zuby Algefor has had a very nice preseason. I look at RJ Louise. I I look at Glenn Taylor. Even though they've dealt with, with some injury issues, I think that this is a team that can go, I'm going to say fourth or fifth place in the Big East, which this year there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's an NCAA tournament lock and a team that could do damage. And, you know, there are some people out there who are saying, well, you've built them up, you've built them up, you've built them up. Again, they lost an exhibition. I'm not going to, to shy away from saying that I firmly believe when the calendar rolls to February, there might be some bumps in the road for this team early. But with Dennis Jenkins and Jordan Dingle and Glenn Taylor and Naheem Aline, and with Joel Soriano and Zubi Elgefour, and a bit of a wild card with Simeon Wilcher, just how good will he be as a freshman? This team has too many pieces for Rick Pitino, a Hall of Fame coach, to have them failing. They're going to be in the mix. They're going to be an NCAA tournament team. They will find a way there, but more than anything, it's great to talk about red storm basketball and not be saying, I don't know. Wild card could be good. Could be bad. Who knows? High variance. There's a bit of a wild card feeling in this team. Cause there's a whole lot of new, but when you have a hall of famer on the sidelines, he covers up a lot of the errors or flaws when the things really matter. I'm buying St. John's. I'm I'm on the hype train, and I'm not getting off of it.
0: Talking to John Fanta, Fox Sports, Bid East Digital Network, Field of 68. John, we'll go across the river to the other bid East local team, and that's the Seton Hall Pirates, your alma mater. Shaheen Holloway has a year under him in the conference with his system in year two. Kadari Richmond, Alamir Dawes, Dre Davis all back. Dylan Aday Wusu comes over from St. John's. Jaden Badiaco and Elijah hutchins Everett give the Pirates something that they didn't have a year ago when they were playing Casey Nadefo at the 5 when Tyrese Samuel was in foul trouble. And that is multiple big men with size that you need to bang down low in the, in the Big East. John, where do you have Seat Hall?
1: Well, I think this is a team that that can win anywhere from 17 to, at best case, 20 games. I think that they're a team that, could be around the bubble picture. I think they're better than what people are saying. I think a lot of people have gone into the the, the zone of they're failing at NIL, so now the sky is falling. They can't get players. Jaden, at the end of the day, they have one of the better backcourts in the Big East with Kadari Richmond, Dillon DeWusu, Alamir Dawes, and, and Jaquan Sanders, who I think is in for a breakout year. I think this team will be able to shoot the ball better. I think Dre Davis's health is so important. You know, I worry about Dre from a perspective of if he's playing against bigger guys last year, he got banged up. Sometimes it's harder for certain guys just to stay healthy. He's one of those guys. His health is imperative for this team. If they lose him or, or he's in any foul trouble in a game, they're going to be in a very tough spot because they're thin at the four and they're going to play Dre Davis at the four. He's going to pick up those assignments. Look, at the five, they've got more options. We'll see who sticks. I think Jaden Bediako will be the starting center. I think Elijah Hutchins Everett will come in off the bench. And at the end of the day, like you just said, they, they've got different options there now that they didn't previously have. And Hutchins Everett, from what I understand and from watching him in practice, he'll be more of a banger. He could be physical with other players in the Big East. The fact is you got to have – your bigs hold up defensively. Do they have to score on Ryan Kalkbrenner, Joel Soriano, and Donovan Klingon? No, I don't think so. But I think they just, they've got to hang in defensively and be productive on that end of the floor. This team will go as far as Kadari Richmond takes them. If Richmond stays healthy and he's consistent, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Seton Hall finished sixth in the Big East. I really wouldn't. I think other people would be. I wouldn't. Xavier's depleted by injuries and Providence. You know, th- let's face it. They they have questions to answer. There's some talent, but a first year head coach, Jaheen Holloway, just experienced that last year. It takes some time. So, I'll tell you what, Jaden. I, I I heard earlier today somebody said to me, "Yeah, Holloway struck lightning in a bottle with St. Peter's. It was just the per the cards aligned perfectly." I'm sorry, you don't strike lightning in a bottle. Cards aligning perfectly at St. Peter's University. Uh, he 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 coached his tail off. And he can coach his tail off. And I think this team will will most likely be an NIT team. But I'll tell you this much. They've got veterans. They've got experience. And they know everyone in their mother's doubting them. So don't be surprised if they make some unexpected noise as a result.
0: Could not agree more with that take on Shaw especially having as close a seat as I did to St. Peter's. John Marquette and Creighton, as we move on here, pick the top to Big East one and two. We'll get some quick hits here on the golden Eagles. What do they need to do to retain their regular season in Biddy's tournament crowns? And for Greg McDermott and Creighton, after call Brenner, Baylor Shireman and Trey Alexander, who do you go to if you're the blue Jays?
1: Well, if you're Creighton, Steven Ashworth is going to be a godsend for this program. 23 years old, a point guard from Utah State who comes into the program, and I'm telling you, I've been impressed with a number of players in the preseason. Ashworth has been as impressive as anybody. We are going to be talking about him all year. You're going to be tweeting about him once you see him because you're going to love the way he plays the game. Efficient, distributor, understands what to do. And Greg McDermott's offensive philosophy is to read to really read everything be correct in the system not overthink it make the right play turn a good shot into a great shot with a pass and I just think Ashworth I think the world of him I think the key for Creighton will be what they get at the four slot Mason Miller's in year three with the program the son of Mike Miller can he now take a step forward and what will we see from the Virginia transfer Isaac Trout There's also a kid named Jason Green who they think could could blossom a little bit in the front court. But for me, uh, I love this Creighton team. I think they're going to win the league. They're my pick to win the Big East. There you go. There you have it. I like Creighton to win the regular season crown for Marquette. You know, I think that's the very thing. It's very hard to go back to back in this league. And I, I like the Golden Eagles. I think that they could be a Final Four contender, but I think it speaks to the strength of the conference that, you know, I, I think another team will win it. Uh, and it's nothing against the Golden Eagles at all. And it's not that bold of a take. Creighton was picked second, Marquette first. I just think for Marquette, like, I expect David Joplin to make a leap. I actually think their freshman class is underrated. They bring in two kids, Trey Norman and Zade Lowry, who are going to get minutes off the bench. We all love Tyler Kolick. We all love Cam Jones. It's just so hard to go back to back years, twenty nine and six, when you're when a target is firmly on your back. So, I I uh, I think Marquette's going to be a, a team that could be the you know a three or a four seed in the NCAA tournament, could make a very deep run, could be even higher than that. Uh, they again, they could make a Final Four, but bear in mind, Shaka Smart has not then to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament since he took VCU to the final four. So he's got to prove it in March. You know, Greg McDermott has done a very good job in recent years of getting his Creighton teams deep in the tournament. You'd have to go back to 2011 and that's the only time shaka has been to the second weekend of the tournament. Let's see if he changes that this year.
0: Excellent stat, talking to John Fanta, Biddy's Digital Network, Fox Sports, Field of 68. John Villanova, a top 25 team, picked fourth in the biddies Justin Moore's back, Eric Dixon's back. Kyle Neptune brings in two high-impact transfers in TJ Bamba and Tyler Burton. Where do you see the Wildcats shaking out here as this Biddy's season plays out?
1: I really like this Villanova team, and, and I will say this. If Jay Wright was coaching this team, I don't think there'd be any question that they'd be in the preseason top 10, if at worst 12. The The only question is Kyle Neptune's ability to get all the pieces to come into play. And And I think, you know, I, I asked some Fordham fans this last year. I said, look, T. Ergo did a great job. How much of this was, was created by Neptune in the first place? And a lot of people said, and I, I don't know how you would reflect on this, Jade, but a lot of people said, look, Kyle did lay the groundwork. He laid the bricks. Fordham's not an easy place to do that at. So I I believe in Kyle Neptune. I do think Villanova is poised for a turnaround season. They missed the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2012 last year. They're not missing it two years in a row. The key for Villanova is point guard play. You know, for, for me, can Mark Armstrong, the sophomore, fully come into his own? He's got quickness. He's got a combination of athleticism and explosiveness ability to make a play for others that that really should resonate on this team. He doesn't have to score 15 points per game. He doesn't even have to score 10 points per game. He's got to distribute and stay turnover free. Why? Because Justin Moore is going to score at a high, high level. I'll give you a hot take. I think Justin Moore will be in the national player of the year race. I don't think wow. he'll win it, but I I think he ends up winning Big East player of the year. I just think he's poised for a huge year. Uh, and I, I expect him to to be a guy that we see multiple times scoring around 25 points in big games and just just willing Villanova like he did in February last year. Uh, TJ Bamba, Tyler Burden, quality additions have heard nothing but good things about Bamba. Visited with Burden last week. He's mature. He's got a combination of poise and bucket getting ability that fits in the Villanova offensive system while being able to stretch the floor at his size. That makes him a very difficult matchup for an opposing defense. And I I just think that this team, they've got a nice complement of players. Eric Dixon is one of the more underrated players that you'll find in the big East. So I really like Villanova. I think they will be able to guard better because they have more length on the perimeter. And I think they've got better shot making. The key is can Armstrong make the leap? Or is Justin Moore also going to have to handle being the lead ball handler?
0: Talking to John Fanta, Fox Sports, BD's Digital Network, Field of 68. We'll do these two teams in the quick hits because they have been inextricably linked to each other through the offseason. Georgetown and Providence, Ed Cooley leaving the Friars for the Hoyas, rebuilding in the nation's capital. Kim English taking over an NCAA tournament caliber team that Cooley left behind. Bryce Hopkins and Devin Carter coming back on Fed Hill for the Friars. Where do you see both teams, Georgetown and year one under Cooley, who has a proven track record of rebuilding, and Providence with pieces in place to make year one under Kim English a positive mindset? That's the buzzword he's been using all offseason in the 401. Well, what a storyline this is in
1: college basketball. And as I talk with you, we're 88 days away, 88 days away from Ed Cooley's return to Friartown, Saturday, January 27, 2024, 12.30 Eastern time in a game that will be nationally broadcast on Fox. Buckle up. Buckle up because it should be phenomenal in every way uh, in terms of drama. Won't be phenomenal for Cooley. He made the most stunning coaching move in Big East history when he did that. A lot of people did not think he, he would do it. He did. Where do I see these teams? I think Providence is NCAA tournament quality because Bryce Hopkins is such a tough cover for an opposing defense. This is a guy that can average 18 and eight and uh, could take over a game at six foot seven, six foot eight, eight. And I think he's got NBA upside. And I, I think he's quicker than last year. But his length and ability to go back to the basket and make something happen. Is really impressive. I mean, he could just—he's a multi-level scorer, and now the perimeter game's coming along. Kim English is a shot doctor. Uh, I saw this firsthand in my preseason visit to Providence. English really works with the players on on their jumper and on their technique. So between Hopkins and Devin Carter as a two-way guard, I think the biggest thing for Providence is when the games are in the late goings. Ed Cooley was so good in closing time, Jaden. You know the Big East, so many close games. Can English be able to execute with the combination of Jaden Pierre and Corey Floyd Jr.? Who's going to be handling the ball? How are they going to – now, Carter can do it, but it would be big if Pierre could take a, a climb. And then the other thing is, at the five, this team's a little thin. Will McNair transferred out of the program. He was a late transfer. Uh, he was supposed to to be at Providence and be the backup five. Well, he transferred to Kansas State. Uh, and Kansas State now, without Naquan Tomlin, at least for a little bit, who's suspended due to a, a bar incident over the weekend, that transfer now looks like it's, it's more important than we even thought. But it's important for Providence. Why? Because after Josh Oduro, they're pretty much relying on Rafael Castro, who's an athletic big, he's got spring, he's got bounce, but he's not really your your prototypical physical big man on the interior. So for me, if Oduro's in any foul trouble, I worry about Providence. They're a little bit thin inside. But Josh Oduro coming in from George Mason, multiple all-Atlantic 10 first-team selection, he's got to step up and be there. But I like Providence. I think they're an NCAA tournament team. I don't think Georgetown is an NCAA tournament team. They've had too many tough injuries here in the preseason. Now Ishmael Massoud down uh, with with an injury that's going to sideline him for uh, another four or five weeks. So, I mean, I'll tell you, I think that the Hoyas are really going to have trouble guarding the interior. I like Jaden Epps. Uh, I I think Rowan Brumba has a chance to be special. But the fact is this team uh, has been decimated by injuries. And I don't know how their front court's going to be able to hold up.
0: John, three more teams to profile in the Big East. Xavier, you talk about front court concerns. Zach Fremantle and Jerome Hunter are not healthy for the Musketeers. Also, Butler and DePaul. Transitional years perhaps for Tad Mata and Tony Stubblefield, respectively. What do you make of Xavier, Butler, and DePaul? Well, let's start with Xavier. This is a team that. I would much rather want to
1: play in November and December than I would in February and March because I'm betting on Sean Miller to figure it out and to get them on the bubble. Uh, I, I I think they'll be in the bubble conversation. To me, what's interesting about Xavier is they're going to rely on freshmen. Buy stock now in Lazar Djokovic. He's long, he's from Serbia. He played uh, this past summer. And internationally and really shine. He's got terrific feel. He played in the U19 World Cup. He averaged 15, seven and three assists at six foot, 10, two 30 I love his upside. And I think you'll see that this year, the freshman guard, Trey green should really help this team. You're you're, we're going to be talking about Trey green for a while. I really like his game. Uh, I think it's going to be hard for Sean Miller to keep him off the floor. You know, they've got this duo. Of transfers from Conference USA, really a trio when you count the big man Abu Usman, but it's Davion McKnight uh and it's Quincy Olivari. And Olivari's got to be a bucket getter from the get-go. He's really got to step up and deliver. Very charismatic, has a ton of personality. He'll be counted on. And and I expect Desmond Claude to be one of the better players in the Big East. Claude has has gotten it. He's got he's he's like a, a clone of Kobe Jones. He really is. He plays like Kobe Jones, and I think he'll, he'll take on that role this year. The issue is the front court. I mean, when you're relying on youth and Zach Freemantle and Jerome Hunter being out for the year is brutal, brutal. So I, I think they're a bubbly team. We'll see if Miller can get them over the top. Uh, I I wouldn't bet against him, but I I think we could see Xavier and Dayton this year in the first four. Butler, now Butler's better. Posh Alexander will set the tone for them. It's hard though. Posh Alexander can go through peaks and balance as good as he can be. Sometimes it goes the other way around. I will tell you this. I have never seen Posh Alexander more comfortable offensively than I have with him at Butler. He's shooting three more. He's shooting it better. Maybe it's that Hinkle magic touch. I don't know what it is, but Alexander is shooting the basketball as well as he's ever shot the basketball for me, for Butler. I just don't trust their. I, <laughs> I keep saying this with the teams that are on the other side in the big East. But I, I don't trust Jalen Thomas and, and Andre Screen and, and their front court at all. Um I I don't know how they're gonna score the ball easily inside. Connor Turnbull could unlock a new layer to their offense if the sophomore can break out and shoot the basketball more efficiently. Jaden, Butler's gonna I I this is a take that people are not gonna expect. Butler could lead the Big East in three pointers attempted per game. They are gonna shoot like there's no tomorrow. I've seen him practice uh, twice. I've never, I, I, I've never seen a team shoot so many threes in my life during a practice. So Thad Mott is sort of totally reversing course. They're going to play differently. They're going to rely on DJ Davis, who's a sharp shooter. They're going to rely on Pierre Brooks from Michigan State. I think he's an X factor of this team too. What he ends up being, but they're going to shoot, shoot, shoot. Uh, as for DePaul, you know, it's so hard. What's your upward mobility in a league that's really, really strong? And the answer this year is, to be honest with you, I don't see it. And I think Tony Stubblefield's got the pressure on him. If he doesn't win this year, you know, I know it's quick, but Dwayne Peavy's not going to sit around and wait. So Stubblefield is on the hot seat and he needs to figure out a way to ride. He's got guards. Jalen Terry is, is really an interesting player. I like Chico Carter coming in from South Carolina. I think Caleb Murphy's an X factor from South Florida. He's got to stay healthy and, Elijah Fisher, I've heard a lot of really good things about Jeremiah Oden, too and Deshaun Nelson. They've got athleticism, but do you know how to win? And I don't I don't know if I see that with the Paul.
0: Sean Fox Sports, BD's digital network field of sixty-eight. Got a little bit more left here, John. What are your storylines to watch going into BD season and basketball season in general with this conference? Well, I I
1: think the biggest storyline is what can Rick Pitino do in in turning around St. John's and how much better will they get as the year goes on? I think the regular season championship race is going to be fascinating. As I said to you, I like Creighton to win, and I think any of four teams, Creighton, Marquette, UConn, or Villanova could win the league. I think the conference player of the year race is going to be wild. Tyler Kolick won it last year. We didn't think Tyler Kolick would be Big East player of the year before last season started. So who's the bloomer? Who really springs on the scene and just becomes a superstar this season? You know, that's going to happen. You know, you know that that's going to happen. I'll tell you what, there's a player on Marquette that could win player of the year, not named Colick and it's Cam Jones. Cam Jones is a bucket getter. doesn't get anywhere near the credit he deserves. So I expect the player of the year race to be wild. Cooley's return game to Friartown is going to be as wild of a game that we see. This league is going to be a monster. And God bless the coaches because night to night, you know, if you don't bring it, you're you're screwed. This is an every night type of league. I know it sounds cliche, but with the exception of DePaul, there's really nothing easy. So it, it's it's going to be a fun year in this league to cover at night to night. I think the player of the year race is wide open. I think there's actually a legit regular season race to watch out for. And I think there's multiple Final Four teams in this league. Last year, we entered the season. We weren't sure about that, and look what happened. UConn cut down the net. So, I think what I'm most curious to see is, how does the middle, how, what does the middle of this league look like? What does the the picture look like between St. John's, Providence, Xavier, and I'll throw Seton Hall in there as well, as well as Georgetown, just because Cooley's on the sidelines. So, I'll be curious to see what the middle looks like. I'll be curious to see how that, the title race goes, and then Freshman of the year, I think, could be a hot race in this league this season. Will Stephon Castle live up to the hype? If he does, UConn could enter a totally different stratosphere from where we have them heading into the year.
0: Talking to John Fanta, Fox Sports, Video's Digital Network, Field of 68. Nobody covers the conference better than John. Ten years running, going into year 11. John, thanks again for coming on, spending some time on the podcast again. We'll see you somewhere down the road and several times this season for sure. Jaden, really appreciate you. It's going to be a wild year on the men's side
1: and on the women's side. I knock on wood when I say this. I hope Paige Becker stays healthy because if she does, I think Gino Oriyama's redemption tour could happen this year. And I think that the Husky women, I'll give you this take to leave I think they reclaim their spot as the top dogs in women's college basketball this year. I think they will win it all.
0: Well, you and I are in agreement on that. From your mouth to God's ears, we'd love to see Gino get back on top. Thanks again, John. Thanks, Jaden.